0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Want well, First, before I introduce my lovely co-host, I want to give a shout out to our boys at Harry's Razors, who are the sponsors of this podcast. Our, well, I, I think that's our OG sponsor. That's, that's, that's our boys. Um, but before we get into them, we'll get into them a little bit later. Carter, we have a lot to talk about today.
1: Sure do. Um, you know, the Cavs, uh, the great J.R. Smith adventure. We, it was time. It was time to say goodbye, Justin. The Cavs waived J.R. Smith, claimed about, eh, let's say, nine to ten million dollars in savings off their salary cap, yeah, uh, and did not uh, trade it for a more lucrative piece, as many of us hoped they did. So I think before uh, we start the uh, <laughs> Evan Dammer, I'll just in our chat. And by the way, this is a live mailbag, so please. Uh, ask us just about any question uh, that, that comes to your mind as long as it's uh, not going to get us kicked off Twitch. We will answer it. Uh, Evan just said uh, he, he made a joke that we are sleeping and that I'm sleeping in the dog crate in my office. That's fucked up. Uh, Stiff as slumber. Oh, thank you for that prime sub. Very, very kind of you. But Jr. Smith, he is officially a free agent. The Cavs weren't able to trade him. Justin, uh, I think both of us had kind of intimated that we'd be pissed uh, if he did not uh, if, if the Cavs did not end up doing something with that asset. Now that we're here, thanks Chris Barnwell for the, uh, for the prime sub as well. Uh, uh, Justin, how are you feeling?
0: So obviously I'm a little excited to get Justice Winslow on this roster. Um, this is kind of what I was anticipating, J.R. Smith contract being traded. Uh, you know what, I'm, I'm frustrated, but at the same time, um, I agree with the thought process that's been reported where the Cavs were valuing this, especially if they were taking on two years of salary, uh, they wanted a pick that was going to be worthwhile. Because I, I think at this point, um, the Cavs need to hit on some swings. We, a late first-rounder, you're probably getting guys kind of the, the same ilk as Dylan Windler. Um, and the odds of getting kind of a cornerstone piece aren't really there. And if you're talking about trading for, let's say, the 25th pick in the draft, um, and you're taking on, let's say, James Johnson, for example. Um, I, I think I'd rather have the $15 million in space to, to go out and sign like a Bogdanovich or someone uh, next summer uh, and really fill out the roster around uh, whoever we draft next year, uh, Land, Kevin Porter Jr., Winler, and Jetty, like a, and, and Kevin Love, if he's still here. Um, I, I think I'd rather kind of have that flexibility. And I think they made the right call of at least valuing the asset highly.
1: Yeah, I think that when you're looking at whether to be upset with the Cavs or not about this, um, and of course, you have know, do what the fuck you want. We're not here to tell you how to feel. But at least for me, um, I think that you have to look at a few different things that kind of played out that we didn't expect with this trade or with this uh, potential trade. Um, right. The first of which that I think is really important is that nobody realized how much these teams with cap space would be willing to take on bad money just into their space. Yep. Like uh, I, I, the J.R. Smith contract is nice. It doesn't beat Memphis just taking the money on Mm -hmm. and giving you a trade exception in the process. Like that, that's something that no one could have really expected. Um, And then, you know, ultimately there just weren't that many good offers out there either way. You know, I mean, the, the salary dumps that were a little more of the general take, you know, expiring back to save a little money off the top, like the Tony Snell for John Luer deal in Milwaukee, that got you the 30th overall pick. Like, yeah, that, I, I don't blame Coey Altman for holding his cards there. Even if, even if maybe he got burned a little bit on a deal like that. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I think that we typically tend to operate in the idea that this, op- this, Franchise knows what it's doing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, at least they we feel like Kobe are in that benefit of the doubt, but, I mean, it does suck. I just It, I it just, does suck, and I, I didn't think an easy thing they could have said yes to out there.
0: Right, and the thing – so I, I think it is about managing expe- expectations. Um, I had said this earlier today in our Discord chat, but I think if on draft night um, – so Kevin Porter Jr. was a guy that the Cavs were rumored to – be interested in trading up for, uh, and that the Miami scenario was pitched out there. If the Cavs traded 26 and JR for James Johnson, 13, we got Kevin Porter Jr. at 13, and then we use those second round picks that we ended up trading for Kevin Porter Jr. to, let's say, trade James Johnson into that Dallas trade exception. So you're, you're clear off his salary. You got Kevin Porter Jr. You gave up the same assets we gave up now. I think people would have been happier than they currently are just because we hyped up that J.R. Smith contract so much when at this point we got Windler out of it. You got Kevin Porter Jr. who is your trade up target and you have space. You, you don't have to um, do any additional moves. It takes some pressure off um, trading the expirings that they currently have because they're already under that cap. So I, I do think that um, it, they're still in a good position. And I think that this was a good outcome so far for the summer. But obviously once you've already kind of crossed that threshold where you got Kemper Jr. on draft night um, and you still have Jr, the hope is I w- want to get more. Like when you get your first piece of cake, you want your second piece of cake. Um, especially if
1: tell, Justin, he, esp- yeah, geez, okay.
0: Uh, just easy, uh, jeez, okay, easy buddy. But it, especially after that first piece of cake was gifted to you, and you still have the money you allocated for that second piece of cake, you're going to want more cake. And I think this kind of lends in good to a question uh, Evan Demereau, uh posed in our Twitch chat here, which, do you think, as CAS fans, we should temper our expectations with
1: any of Cleveland's assets, especially the expiring contracts? Carter, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that it's probably worth considering. This is not a cap dump uh, kind of year, uh, that we're facing because it's not a very good free agent class that's coming up. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that really there's just not much reason for teams to dump like this early on. I mean, maybe that will change. I think December 15th is going to be a really interesting day this year. I, it's always supposed to be like, that's always the first day contracts are able to be traded. So everyone gets really excited about it. And then not that much happens. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but since 50% of the league traded out, changed over this <laughs> this last <laughs> offseason, uh, maybe that's a little different this year. Um, you know, I think that'll actually be a really good indicator of like, do these teams think there's something else coming where they can reroute bad money in trades? And that's where I think maybe you can get a little, that's where those expiring has come in handy. Uh, maybe not as just a pick for space situation, but... Hey, this team needs to dump off a particularly bad contract. Yeah, uh, and but the other team doesn't really want that. So the Cavs would route would they'd route it through the Cavs in exchange for John Henson or Jordan Clarkson, a guy who can play a little bit, uh just kind of like the uh Kyle Corver deal, um yep. or the George Hill deal, um, where you can kind of tell yourself, hey, not only are we you know, getting us on draft capital for some financial savings, we can also sell our fan base. Hey, we got this guy who might actually be able to help us. So I think that's the way those remaining Cleveland assets uh, are looking. I think everyone should probably temper their expectations with Kevin Love, but maybe not. I don't, I think, I think basketball Twitter would tell us that we'd need to temper our expectations uh, for Kevin Love. And I think they're wrong.
0: I, I think they're wrong as well. Um, obviously, I hope they're wrong because um, if we are trading Kevin Love, I'd want it to be for something that is worth caring about. Um, I do think with the contracts we saw handed out this summer, that might change the perception of Kevin Love because you're, you're looking at like Harrison Barnes making $22 million a year and all of a sudden you're like, okay, Kevin Love is 30, 31. He's going to be in his early 30s. He's got a skill set that's going to translate is he worth $10 million more than Harrison Barnes? Is he worth just incrementally more than a lot of these guys? And I, I think the answer to that is yes. Um, but I, I do think tempering expectations with the expirings, especially with how poor this uh, free agent class is, is a smart decision. I do think sometimes it's a little tough to do that. Um, and you can fall into the trap of saying, the guys we have as expirings this year are better value and can help teams out more than the guys we had last year. Like Rodney Hood had shown nothing. Um, George Hill uh, had had a lot of injury issues. Um, then the guy that we got in return for Kyle but Alec Burks, even he fetched a lot. Um, and when you look at all the picks they got, I, I think it's natural to say, maybe we can get the same amount of picks. Maybe we can get um, a lot of future assets here for these guys. And I don't think that's necessarily a guarantee, but I, I think some optimism is still warranted. Like, I don't want to scare people off of expecting anything, uh, anything of value for these guys. I just think um, we, we may need to temper our expectations and maybe we're not getting the same return as we got for Hill, Corver, Hood,
1: and Burks. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think teams were maybe a little, a little, I felt like they got too good of value. Like, I don't think I would have given up what teams gave up in those deals for the Cavs. The Cavs definitely won those trades, and you're not always going to get that great value. Um, I think that the next, uh, I think uh, Mets Rule Four, Cy in the chat, uh, wanted to piggyback off of Evan's question by asking who the best of the remaining expiring contracts are as assets between Henson, Knight, Clarkson and TT how would you power rank them, Justin oh
0: that's a tough question so if Brandon Knight is healthy I think that changes the calculus I think going into the offseason the only ones that I could see get moved are John Henson and Clarkson Um, I think those are guys that teams would say especially with um, Henson, hey, let's take a chance now. His value is probably low, but if we can get him in, in training camp, get him used to our system, that would be a valuable thing to do. I don't think any of these guys are moving until we're in the season. Um, but currently, I, I would say um, Tristan's probably the most valuable asset there, uh, followed by Clarkson, Henson, the Knight. I do think Knight has the potential, if he shoots well, to kind of play his way up especially when guards can be at a premium and that's the that's the sort of guy that a a team can talk themselves into being hey we we can get this guy he can come off the bench he can play alongside either of our guards kind of play that combo guard role and give us a ball handler which we know is at a premium in the playoffs so I think he has the potential to move his way up there uh, but that's how I'd currently rank them
1: yeah I think I'm right there with you I think Knight is definitely fourth um I don't really think he can play his way into legitimate trade value. Yeah. Um, I just think the league kind of decided uh, what he is <laughs> uh, at this point. You know, like, I, I, I don't use that. I don't mean to make that a derogatory. I just think, like, the book is, like, the, the story of Brandon Knight's career, for better or worse, has kind of been written at this point. Yeah. Whereas, uh, but I think how much yeah. of
0: that is injuries, though? It's like- not
1: fair. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm yeah. saying it's what it is um and then you look at i i might even put clarkson above tt i think there's a few I could contenders see that. out there that will talk themselves into into his scoring ability and i just think when you look at most of these contenders most of them have a really decent energetic rebounding big um that can play some defense you know I uh, I you know you look at someone like the Clippers like did they really want to put him on the same team as Montrez Harrell when they do very similar things not right. exactly the same things but some similar things
0: and, and um, fair or not I I think him having the the off court relationship with the Kardashians you don't want to move him to LA kind of thing I I think there the, uh, even though a lot of it's unfair, I do think that there's more noise around Tristan and because he was in the spotlight as a guy that some people yeah. identified as overpaid. I, I think there's just negative connotations that go along with his name. Um, I, I still really would like kind of a, a value, uh team friendly extension with him, but I, I do recognize, um, that he's somebody that is going to have value in, um, like everybody on this roster, I think they should be available for the right price, and um, especially especially with this upcoming draft being so heavy on bigs, uh, bigs and guards. Um, obviously, we have a lot of guards on this roster, so you're probably looking at a big, and you've already invested in Larry Nance Jr., so I think for that reason, I, I kind of really be gauging the market on Tristan.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think Tristan will end up being the most valuable because he was really fucking good last year um and uh it just stands to reason that on a team that's not so embarrassing uh you know he he'll still he's it'll be a little bit better he will have Kevin Love to play alongside so he won't have to like post up 10 possessions in a row but he'll still have enough gas to you know play Tristan style basketball so I I I could see a contender deciding they want a chance on Tristan especially if the price is not particularly significant like there's no reason that he, he can't help just about any team in the league. Like, you look at Milwaukee. they I mean, they, they're pretty set. Um, Sixers, I think, are pretty set. Celtics, I think, incidentally, and I know this would just kill you, but I think the Celtics are a team where he really uh, would provide a lot of value because they lost Aaron Baines, they lost Al Horford. They're, they're
0: starting fucking Enos Cantor. Yeah, and I mean, and here, here is my redeeming part of that. If the Celtics trade for him, they're likely having a playoff series against the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> and just ruin Al you know, Horford's life one more time. Anytime he's going to get the son Horford, it would be really great. Um, God, that that Horford contract, that that's gonna look really, really bad. I I think that's gonna by the end of it, it's gonna look worse than Kevin Loves. That's that's my uh that's one of Man. my hot takes there. Um <laughs> question we got in the chat is uh John Henson a stretch five. I call him a
1: stretch five, Carter. What about you? Um, he's probably a nothing. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't understand the Henson thing. I would, I would Best center like, on
0: the roster. Best center on the roster, Carter.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I think maybe he can, I think maybe he can turn into a shooter. I I have much more faith in Larry Nance right now as a, as a legitimate spacer this year, because by the end of the year, he wasn't just doing the I'm wide open threes. Um, like he was really taking them with confidence and and pretty much without hesitation, and yeah the the no hesitation
0: was yeah. really, really encouraging
1: yeah and and you know we we see over and over again that the most important factor in gravity actually isn't making threes it's taking them
0: yeah no uh, that's no, why
1: he's smart in the regular season has gravity even though he can't fucking shoot because yeah. he's so shameless. Yeah, uh, even Lonzo Ball has some gravity. Yeah, because I would he'll, agree. He'll get those uh, up. You want to run him? You want to run him off? He's about to shoot. Um, and and I think that's really hard to deprogram yourself to do that as a defender. Uh, so I think Nance is Nance getting his three point attempts up to three four a game would be really really nice uh, for this team. Yeah, and it will. It just helps give him a little diversity when because his role game is very inconsistent. Um, you know he's a nice passer so. If teams actually have to guard him out there, he might have a better chance of hitting cutters. Like, there's just a lot of reasons why a three is really important for Larry, and more than anything, it allows him to play the four a little bit. I was um,
0: just going to bring that up, especially because the if
1: you're him to play the four.
0: if you're waiting until the deadline or December to start trading some of these expiring guys you have to deal with the fact that there's a logjam. And fortunately, we don't have to do the thing this summer where how are we going to get minutes for Zizic? We don't have to worry about that. I think we can bury that. Um, but Nance being able to play the four a little bit or, or at least stretch the floor gives you more combinations. I do think Henson can kind of stretch the floor. Right? Um, as pointed out in our chat, he shot about 36% from three. Uh, last year in just 14 games in Milwaukee. That that was something that he had talked about adding to his game. So I, I think that that's at least an element there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that that helps open things out. And the more guys you have that are willing and able to shoot threes kind of opens things up uh, for kind of the sex line backcourt there.
1: Yeah, all of a sudden, um, I don't know how many threes this team is going to make. Um, but I do know that this team is going to take a lot more threes this but year.
0: We, we have Peja Stojakovic, so we... Uh... Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> you're t- uh, the Nashville Peja of sports. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, I actually think it's a really interesting uh, thing to kind of look at this year is the fact that the Cavs, I believe, let's take a look here, uh, yeah, they were in the bottom seven uh, in three-point attempts a game, mm-hmm. uh, just in the beeline offense and with the way that they've reshaped their roster this year.
0: Right. Well, I mean,
1: if they're not top 10, right? Yeah, it, it would be.
0: I, I think this team's going to have to lean really heavily on offense. Um, I do think that this is a team that fits kind of the beeline system. Um, you added two of the top five, three point shooters in the draft in, in Garland and uh, Windler. Uh, Kevin Porter jr. Shown some potential there. Um, and Larry Nance, uh, as pointed out in our chat, uh, B-Line has been encouraging him to really work on his three and, and distributing, because uh, I, I think this is going to be a team where they emphasize that, where everybody's making plays for everybody. They're not relying on the young guards to to make decisions there. And I, I think sharing that uh, ball-handling responsibility is going to make things easier for – it's going to make things easier for – and it's going to make things easier for Garland, and I think it also allows them to focus on defense a little more uh, than if they were using like thirty percent usage uh, as just the only guard there.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, this is the offense really should be, if not good, because I think it's hard to have a good offense with two, with a rookie at point guard and a second year or a second year undersized shooting guard uh, in Sexton. Uh, pretty much no matter what I think that you know top 10 offense would be pretty outlandish but I would hope that they'd be around league average uh just with the skill sets on this team and assuming that you're not going to miss 60 games to Kevin Love like it's funny even if they trade him at the deadline Justin they're going to have so much more Kevin Love this season than they did last year
0: yeah And, and um I think that's something people are forgetting because uh, we lost David Nwaba, which is the other news since our, our last podcast. He yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah, he officially signed with the Brooklyn Nets. And I know people are pointing at, well, we already had the worst offense in league history or worst defense in league history last year. Now we lost Nwaba. He played about 20 healthy games. And we also had a lot of guys that didn't want to be here. And the one thing that's kind of striking me from Summer League, the videos that you're seeing, is these are guys that already seem to be building a relationship. It's great that Larry Nance Jr. was out there practicing with the young guys. Uh, Jetty Osmond went down there for a little while. Jordan Clarkson seems invested. Um, the the other nice thing, uh, I don't know if you saw the feature, but Kevin Porter Jr. was talking about the relationship he already had with Darius Garland. Um, they're, mm. they're close from AAU. He has a relationship with Colin Sexton, and the three of them apparently are getting very close right now. And I, I think having guys that want to play together, they're excited about this opportunity. I think they all understand that they're going to have opportunities to eat here because they, there just isn't a lot of proven talent. Um, I, I think just getting a hungrier team um, is going to result in a much easier team to watch. And my my hope is really that we become this year's Atlanta, or last year's Atlanta, where it's fun – The young guys play really well. Um, Atlanta had that with Collins Herter and uh, Trey Young, obviously. I hope that we have some version of that, Uh, just centering around Kevin Love, who's obviously a better player than anyone uh, Atlanta had last year. So um, I'd love to be that kind of fun bat, and I think this roster has the potential to be that.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And to that end, uh, Shooter McGavin just asked how we think Sexland will fare defensively given their lack of size. Uh, Justin, you had a really interesting piece for fear of the sword about, um, undersized duos. Um, I think it would be good just to almost give you the floor and just kind of talk about what you found when you were looking at these guys.
0: Yeah. So it's been my opinion for a while that, um, guard defense isn't as important to team defense, um, as other positions, especially in the front court. Um, and this is something, not to go off on a tangent and, and digress too much here, but uh, it's been something that drives me nuts with advanced stats where they measure offense and defense as 50-50, where for guards, offense is probably worth 70% of the game. And I, I think that that's where you see a lot of these young, high-usage guys on bad teams get undervalued early in their career. Um, what we did find, I, I think there was 15, te- uh, 15 tandems of guards that were six-four and under. Uh, that played at least 15 minutes a game, and 13 out of 15 had uh, above-average defensive ratings, um, and they were almost all 13 out of 15, again, were net positives in that time. I do think Sexton and Garland is going to be a poor defensive tandem uh, next year, but I I think that has a lot more to do with their age. Um, you, You look at them being 19, 20 years old, you're just never going to be good defenders at that position that young there's so much of the game you need to see and typically they, they those players handle a lot of usage so I do think having both of them share guard handling redu- uh, duties having Kevin Love create having Larry Ness Jr. create having Jetty Osmond create I think that's going to help them pl- give a little more effort on defense but ultimately it's going to come down to the front court and whether or not they're getting defensive support on that end um, I think Both of them have shown at least a a willingness to play defense so far in their careers. Uh, I think Sexton has the physical tools to be a good defender. Uh, He's got a great wingspan for his size and just kind of has to add strength and, and a little bit of understanding on that end. Um, But ultimately I I just think their, their inexperience is going to be the main reason why, why they'll struggle defensively next year.
1: I would agree with that. I think that you look at these guys and they, they, didn't have Sexton did not exactly get the best education last year either. I mean, the Cavs uh, new coaching staff should do a lot uh, in terms of kind of helping this defense get from absolutely humiliating uh, <laughs> shooting me. Gavin asking about Longabardi right now in the chat, uh, not having Longabardi who, you know, who, I, by any <laughs> workout, didn't work out, you know, no, no slander to the guy, but didn't work out with the Cavs and, uh, you know, ideally, you just want to see a different coach put in a different system that puts these guys in a position to actually succeed. You know, Larry Nance used to be a good defender um, huh. in L.A., and he was not. He has not been for the Cavs thus far. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that you you might see some growth there schematically, but I would expect this team to be eh, pretty pretty bad on that end still, but maybe not the worst in league history. Uh, mm-hmm. My question for you that kind of thought of as as we were answering that question is, would you rather be a young team that overperforms on offense and underperforms on defense or the inverse? Cause I know what my answer is. Offense.
0: Yeah. I, I want
1: to. Yeah.
0: Defenses for nerds. This, the, that is the official platform of this podcast. And sure. I, I do think that you're able to hide a lot of things defensively. If you got guys that are going to buy into the scheme or add guys that can cover for mistakes, I, I think offense is just a very rare skill set. And that actually goes towards what you were saying earlier about Clarkson probably being valued over Thompson, because I, I think what uh, Clarkson can do uh, is a rare skill set. Um, he doesn't always do it at a consistent level, but uh, in terms of just pure talent, like if you put a, a different player's brain into that body with that skill set, it he, he'd be one hell of a player. Um, so I, I think him being brought in off the, the bench for a contending team is something that I could definitely see and I, I do think that if I'm putting a wish list for next year's cast, just be a good offense if they have an average or above average offense uh, we're, we're in for a lot of fun games and you have a puncher's chance in every single outing
1: yeah I agree uh, it, it just seems so obvious that defense is kind of you know it, it's just ultimately not the most important thing I know that's not a very fun thing to say, but like, you can find, uh, you can find defenders and, and you can scrap your way to points. And you know what the, one of the best defenses is Justin, taking them take the ball out of their own fucking basket. So, <laughs> you know, I think that when you're looking at stuff that's replicable and scalable, it's always going to be offense. Offense is so scalable to high level situations. Like very rarely will you see a team that has an insanely good offense just completely collapse in yeah. the post season. Yeah. Uh, normally you can generate buckets uh, when you're, when you're good at generating buckets and defensively, you see it all the time because defensive, defensive schemes are so based on who you have and who you're playing. And, and so much of them are based on like trying real hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, a, a lot of yeah. it is effort. It's, it's and like, an it that doesn't matter in the playoffs that much.
0: No, absolutely. Like, who would you rather be, uh, the Utah Jazz the last few years or the Denver Nuggets? I'd rather be the Nuggets, like 100%. I I, I don't want to have to say, sure, our offense sucks, but you know what? It's kind of sneaky good. Look at these screen assists. Uh, You know, we're going to find a way. We're going to grit this out, and then playoffs come around, the game slows down, and you don't have guys that can generate shots at a consistent rate. I I mean – the game is always going to slow down defense it's always going to be harder to score and i think if you can cultivate a great offense and a good offensive culture that's something you can build around and then you can figure out the rest later
1: yeah i i would agree with that and ultimately like this is supposed to be fun and yeah. offense is more fun like you know i always kind of go back to that uh, recently, that fact that recently I just want to have fun watching the Cavs, and I don't really care what route up the mountain gets me there. Right. Uh, like it, it's just, I just want to have fun. And if this team is dropping 130 in a night every now and again, that's pretty cool. Right.
0: And that was something that I pointed to um, in the article about whether or not a Sexton Garland backcourt would work. And um, part of what I've advocated for here is basically give it a couple of years to try. Because, I mean, if you're going to end up being a CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard backcourt, or DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry backcourt, um, sure, that has a ceiling. But just get to competent. Like, just get to, if you become the Atlanta Hawks or the Toronto Raptors of Larry and DeRozan or Portland, the mistake isn't getting to that point. Because when you get to that point, you're an entertaining team. You have proof of concept that, hey, this team can work. These guys can win at some level. The mistake is hanging on to those guys. And the mistake would be for Masai Ujiri to say, hey, we just had the best season ever. We're not, we're not trading DeMar DeRozan. Uh, for Kawhi Leonard no you you make adjustments there when you're winning all your role players have increased value because they've been put in a good light and you figure it out from there we just need to get to that point um, where we're looking a little bit better and where we are just look like a competent organization like let's be Brooklyn let's be the Atlanta Hawks plus if you guys want to look better we got a, a little something for you don't we Carter
1: oh Tell me all about it, Justin. (laughs) I
0: alluded to it earlier, but we are once again partnering with our boys at Harry's. Carter and I have talked about getting the uh, trial set before. We absolutely love it. We love Harry's. So go to harrys.com slash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. Get all that for just three dollars, shipped right to your front door. Enough with the cheap razors; it's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaven by combining a simple, clean design with a quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for ninety-five years. Carter, join Oof. the tips. Ten- a lot of years, Justin. Tons of years. That that, that that is a good track. Well, it's not
1: tons of years.
0: I I, I think it's tons of years. I, I'm, I'm only 28. It's tons of years to me. Join the 10 million, including Carter and myself, that have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. Three dollars, Carter. Justin, no beating
1: that. No, there isn't. And you know, I was just thinking that in a lot of ways, we're kind of like the Harrys of the Cleveland podcast scene. You know, we saw a market that didn't talk about the Cavs the way we wanted to talk about them, and damn it, if we didn't buy our own blade factory, (laughs) if I A couple blue Yeti mics. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I need to get back to my, my hair. The, the beard is getting a little unkempt. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know how often this happens with you with the old stash. I, I, uh,
0: I, clean, I clean up uh, clean up a little bit, yeah. you
1: know? Yeah, the, my stash is um, kind of just going over onto the lip, and that's like one of my least favorite sensations. It is the worst. Um, you know, I will say, though, the, the stash ended up growing in better than... Uh, 15 year old carter ever would have thought i was pretty sure that part was just never coming (laughs) but then did you have that anxiety i had an older brother i and you're the oldest so it might be a little different
0: yeah i didn't really have the anxiety i mean it wouldn't have been the end of the world um i never thought facial hair was going to become part of the repertoire and then the wife (laughs) ended up liking it so
1: oh wow yeah because your brother is very clean shaven
0: yeah, he well he proposal yeah. video. I mean this this isn't good. This isn't good. We we all know this isn't good. It, it's better than the alternative. But he, he couldn't get to here if he tried.
1: Oh wow. That's that's mean. That a lot of your masculine a lot of people are of their masculinity very much tied up in beards. And then once they get them they realize what a hassle they are. Until <laughs> You get Harry's. <laughs> well done carter well done thanks buddy i i want to uh, actually double back uh back up early in the chat um to talk about uh an interesting question uh from evan uh who asked about what our pie in the sky scenario for next summer was Ooh, i love and that i would like to hear your answer before i go on a little tangent so
0: i i know everyone has talked about how next year's free agent class sucks um, and the result of that is going to be a lot of teams are going to hang on to their money. Uh, you saw the Knicks signed a lot of guys to two-year deals because they're kind of aiming for 2021 rather than next summer. I, I do think while that's true, there's also a lot of guys there that I think are realistic options for the Cavs, and especially when you're sitting there with 55000000 million, you're going to have a lot of options. So um, obviously, I think you trade you target some of the uh, the guys that are going to be restricted free agents or maybe – command a bit higher of a price tag. Uh, I'm thinking like a Buddy Heald or Otto Porter Jr. You're not going to get either of those guys. Um, but let's say you do strike out. I think then you make a big offer for a guy like Karis Levert, who our buddy uh, Evan Damerall did write a great piece at Forbes about that. Go check it out. Um, I'd like to target Derek Favors, um, especially if you don't kind of land a big man in the draft. I think that's a great guy to target. Uh, Bogdanovich from Sacramento. If if they do keep Buddy healed, which I, I think they will. I think they'll give him an extension. He's
1: going to be yeah, the guy that's – like awesome. a real odd man out kind of guy on that. Yeah, that,
0: that's, that's your odd man out, especially when you look at how much money they gave to everybody. Corey Joseph, Trevor Reza. Mary um, Barnes. Dedman, Harrison Barnes, yeah. And, and De'Aaron Fox is going to come up. Getting Bogdanovich would be a great fit for this roster. So I think I, I try to target some of those two-way guys. And as I mentioned before – Uh, you can add guys that can play defense and basically everyone that I listed there is a a plus defender so I think those are the type of guys that I I would target to round out this roster
1: I um, before I pivot to my tangent I'm going to take a different tangent okay because you brought up the Kings they're my peak I I could not pound their under harder this offseason really really do not expect I think that's a team everyone's so sure is just going to get better in this very incremental normal uh logical way and we know that's not how basketball works like they had like two hot stretches and otherwise were like just solid and they played a fun style but i don't know are we why are we so sure they're gonna take a leap uh
0: i i think it's just the belief in uh fox and buddy healed both of them were were very
1: good um buddy he's gonna be like a top four shooter in the league this year because he was last year
0: Yeah. Uh I just I mean, think they good, they, but... they they rounded out their roster. Um they they were really good when Bagley was playing and I think you just kind of expect Bagley to take a step. I I think that the 8 seed is going to be a bit of a toss up in the Western Conference. I think uh OKC is going to contend for it as long as they do still have Chris Paul. I um, agree. I I think the Kings are going to be in that mix as well. Uh, OKC can kind of be sneaky fun uh, for a while there if they do keep it together as currently constructed with Chris uh, Paul, SGA, Roberson, uh, Gallo, Gallo. Um, Stephen Adams still like there, there's guys there. Terrence Ferguson's nice. Um, so I, I do think that uh, I can see you your position there of kind of pounding the under. Um,
1: I mean, I the lines haven't come out yet, but I expect it to be like 47 or something <laughs> stupid.
0: Yeah, see, I, I'd kind of peg them towards, like, 44 or 45. And um, I, I think uh, I saw a line come out for the Cavs at, at 25 and a half. Uh, it's uh, way too early. And what's well, what would be your thought on that?
1: Um, that feels about right. They won 19 games last year. That's such a good line. That's such Yeah, a I won't good be line. betting that one. That's for sure. Um, I mean, I'm mean, i betting Garland Rookie of the Year, by the way. I, that's I mean, that's a good bet. I think traditionally we want to look for guard when we're betting – for a prop like rookie of the year. You just want to look for usage. Yeah. And, and I, I think, I think he's going to be in a better
0: position than RJ Barrett is. Uh, Cause the Knicks only have power forwards. Um, and Zion's probably going to miss some games. Um, it, it's going yeah, to be-
1: basically it's a bet you're betting that Zion's going to miss enough games that someone else can win because the, pretty, much, pretty much the, the close of snap. Yeah, it sure did. Um, The cult of personality around Zion is so strong that I think he'll be such a heavy favorite that maybe you can find value later on. But, you know, everyone seemed to say this is a four-player potential superstar draft and Garland was right on the periphery there. So I think it makes a lot of sense. He's going to have every opportunity. Um, It's really health and how good that jumper uh, adapts to NBA range early on, I think. Yeah, I got,
0: I got a young guy, Blue Balls right now with the Cavs. I really wish Garland and uh KPT. Oh, was it's was brutal.
1: Uh, but I didn't even get to my tangent yet. So yeah, here's but. my tangent. Does it feel like everyone on Twitter is too sure that the Cavs are going to spend a bunch of money next summer? I have to me. I w- I don't expect them to do anything. My timeline's past very past different time
0: than yours. My timeline's yeah. very very different than yours.
1: I I haven't really seen that sentiment. Everyone in the Discord seems to think that, oh, they, they should make a move on, on Levert and all this stuff. And I just feel like I'm if I'm Kobe Altman, I think I'm mostly going to keep my powder dry.
0: I think the health of Dan is going to factor into that a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I do think if he's kind of got his wits back around about him, um, that's going to kind of put some urgency. I, the thing that I like about it, next year's free agent class is the guys that I was listing earlier are young. Like they fit the timeline. And if you can get a Derek Favors, if you can get an Otto Porter Jr., if you can get someone like that, uh, or Bogdanovich, those are guys that that can work out well. And a lot of those guys aren't going to command like max money here. Um, Depends on what the market is. And I think if they're being overvalued, uh, the Cavs will stay away. But if we're talking about 15 million a year players, you can add two of those guys and still have $30 million allocated for the following uh, offseason, especially if the cap ends up jumping up. Um, I do think, especially with the All-Star game coming up, there may be some pressure for the Cavs to spend and round out the roster. Um, but I, I do think, well, th- they're going to have to do something because if they're either going to trade a lot of these expiring guys for guys that have a year or two left on their contract, or if they don't and you just kind of let a lot of these guys walk, you're going to have to round out your roster with a lot of these guys on the market and that's going to force you to spend money. So I do think expecting a lot of roster turnover um, one way or another is a fair assumption.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I'm just interested to see what they do. I mean, I will say that anyone who thinks Karis Slavert is gettable and restricted free agency, at least as a member of the Brooklyn Nets, Uh, I would tamp down those expectations because they, with signing Kyrie and Durant, uh, I think at some point, especially if Levert stagnates just a little bit, he will be the centerpiece in a deal to get a third star. uh, I I was going to say the
0: only way he's gettable is if he has another injury played year and circumstances come up where it would make the Cavs hesitant to make a, a significant offer. I do think that that's a guy that I, I'd like to put an offer sheet in on, um, but we we just don't know um, how willing the Nets are going to be to e- even let it get to that point or if they're going to lock him up right away. Like If, if he does have a breakout year um, alongside Kyrie, I, I think that's somebody that – july 1st or june 30th i guess um they're they're going to lock up and, and they're not going to let them take a meeting with the Cavs.
1: yeah I, I think they'll either lock him up or trade him for like bradley beal or something yeah uh, and just I like that. talk about a, an easy like pretend star to sell someone <laughs> uh, it, like where a deal where anyone making a deal can be like hey we got this guy who's like young and is a name yeah uh, back i think I think that makes a lot of sense to me and really wouldn't be surprised to see. I do not foresee him being a long-term player on this Brooklyn team, but I don't think that means he's going to hit free agency and be given away for nothing. If they decide they're done with Levert, they will. Sean Marks is too smart to do anything else. So uh, one question that was posed
0: in our uh, Twitch chat is, if you were going to max any of the 2020 free agents, who would it be? Would, would it be throwing that type of offer at Levert? Uh, I'd have to look at the list of guys. Uh, so I, I, I'm just pulling it up now. Um, okay, great. It's a slideshow. Um, but oh, no. <laughs> let's, 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 let's slideshows are the worst. Uh, so here's your kind of top 10. So Anthony Davis would obviously be the key one. Uh, I think
1: if I had to offer anyone that I would offer Anthony Davis.
0: Very controversial take. We'll 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 see what the feedback is. I, I think some people are going to I think some people are going to unsubscribe and not resubscribe because of that. Take. Um, uh, Cavs fan favorite Draymond Green, Mike Conley is kind of out of the running. Andre Drummond, Gordon Hayward, uh, Eric Gordon, Demar Derozan,
1: Justin. Yeah, I know. You could talk me into Gordon Hayward. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were going to go with Draymond. No, you could talk me into Gordon Hayward. Um, I'm going to need like him and they liked him in the past. If he shows some growth this year of, you know, bouncing back to the point where he looks good, but isn't so good that the Celtics are willing to keep paying him. Uh, I could see but, it. Oh, he's got a player option. He's not. He'll be. Oh ready. yeah. Yeah. He's probably not he's taking it. 2020.
0: Well, there you go. Um, yeah, I thought you were going to go with Draymond. I, I mean, no, my hope no, is kind of more going with my hope is kind of going more with the Bogdanoviches of the world and
1: Yeah. I just I, don't think that what 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 you know the cav that's like buying a, a house you can't really afford right now. Like there's no value, there's no upside in it. I think you have several years once once love's contract comes off the books, that's just about when you need to start uh locking up Sexton and Garland. Um I think that's where you'll start to see the Cavs start actually trying to spend some money before their cap space starts getting eaten up. But they're not even close to that stage right now.
0: No, no. And, and, and so nothing. much of so much of the decision-making is going to come down to how the guys develop this year. Like, does Jenny Osman uh, build upon his post-All-Star break stats? And, and does he kind of cement himself as a starter? Or maybe even as a sixth or seventh man, I, I would be very happy with that. Pardon me, Ooh, that outcome. Yikes. Ooh, too much, too much bubbly there. Blue, blue attire there. Good lord, um, I, I'd be happy to see that. I, I think. So, I want to ask you a question because uh, I had posed this uh, last week on the Discord. If you're ranking the young players, of uh, their ceiling, the the
1: young Cavs, what would your ranking be? So, young Cavs being the five, the five first or second year players. Yeah, including, I mean, Jetty, including, including Jetty, including Jetty. Jetty. So. This isn't Hmm. just last, so let's not even... Justin, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think your internet's getting ready to die on us, so... Dear God. Hold hold the faith. Hold the line. Okay. I'm Um, hearing you clear now. Yeah. So, if I can... um, If I had to rank them, I think I would say something along the lines of... Garland, Sexton, Jetty, Porter... No, Wendler, Porter
0: okay so
1: mine's very different
0: mine would be garland porter windler oh no sorry Gar- uh garland porter sexton windler jetty i i think windler has higher upside than jetty just because of his frame um like i i think that he's a very 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 good shooter and uh, he's athletic. He's got a good wingspan at six eleven. I think that he has the ability to be a really dynamic two-way guy. Um, I think KPJ does have the second highest ceiling on this team behind Garland. Wow. Too much. And, and I, I think that um, to clarify, second being a third, I, I think that he can be a, a good starter at least. But I, I do think KPJ has. Um, if I'm if I'm looking at what I think he can be. I'm thinking along the lines of like OKC Harden, where good defensive player, uh, dynamic score, maybe coming off the bench, maybe not. uh, But I I do think that he has that kind of two-way potential and and he's someone that can just really create. Um, And I I think he probably has the the lowest floor. And and I don't know if you're doing the floor rankings there or how much you're factoring that in. Um, I think he has the lowest floor of the five but I think he has the, the second highest ceiling.
1: I think I'm factoring it both in, you know, like just like most likely outcome. I think that's kind of the other things yeah, I'm, I'm working I'm, on. And
0: Yeah, I'm not, doing a, I'm not doing most likely outcome at all. I, I'm just – I'm doing strictly yeah, – If we're just
1: looking at ceiling, yeah, if we're just looking at ceiling, Porter is definitely second, you know, because – Okay. I mean, all right. Well, then Chances we're of Windler being picked super high feels – Or, you know, becoming like a superstar. It's really, really low. But, you know, looking at a guy like Porter Jr. Stepping back on Fools in college, uh, it's easier to see the path. But I just think that path is very unlikely as of now.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not doing likelihood at all. I'm doing just pure... What's their talent? What's the ceiling? And, and to me, um, if you're talking about what the best case scenario would be, it would be KPJ really rising to that level. Cause I, I think he does have that two way potential, but uh, I, I think we're definitely on the same page there with Garland having
1: the, uh, the, the highest ceiling. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just pissed that summer league is worthless now. Yeah. It was already worthless, but we can't even lie to ourselves anymore. And, I don't know if you saw uh, the Donovan Mitchell um, tweet, uh, the exchange between Donovan Mitchell and Alonzo Trier, where Alonzo Trier tweeted something like, so many of these rookies aren't playing in summer league this year, and they're going to get smacked in the mouth when they have to play NBA competition because of it. And Donovan Mitchell agreed, and that really surprised me because anyone in the media landscape will tell you it's fake basketball. Yeah. Uh, This isn't real. Everyone's gunning for themselves. Um, Bigs can't. You know, anyone other than guards has no chance to succeed. Blah 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 blah. And I've always pretty much agreed with them, and just even throughout this this year of well,
0: Carter. Here's why I'm surprised that you were surprised because Alonzo Trier and Donovan Mitchell weren't as highly thought of. I mean, Alonzo Trier especially. Uh, But those are guards those are guards that turn heads and changed expectations based on what they did in summer league. And I think for guys that are kind of more known commodities, it doesn't really have value. Like we learn nothing from Zion Williamson being there. Uh, we well, I mean, he wasn't
1: there. Come on.
0: Okay. Well, he He
1: played four minutes.
0: Uh, listen, Carter, there was a lot of him there uh, <laughs> on the court. So it's. It, it, so, in- you're,
1: so you don't buy it. You think this is just their two guys based on their you know, personal experience. I know. Uh, I I think it has
0: value for guys on the bubble, guys that want to give themselves an well, opportunity to turn ahead.
1: Here's what I'm saying: is it wasn't just that's not what they said though. No,
0: that's no, not, I, I no, I that was not their
1: argument. And I want I wonder if the league at large feels that there is value in it uh among the player base, or if this is a, if they're the exception, not the rule. No, yeah, I. I
0: I think their point about it preparing them for the NBA is false. I I think they're equating that with them getting discovered somewhat in summer league. Um, Preparing in preseason teaches you a lot, and then you go into the NBA, you kind of have your rookie stretch there where actually when you first get into the league, that's probably the easiest part of that year because no one scouted you. There, there's nothing, there's no film on you. And then you hit the rookie wall where teams, if you're good enough, they start game planning for you. They know what you're going to do. Uh, they know your tendencies. And all of a sudden you have to make adjustments. You don't get punched in the mouth right away. It, it takes a little while for teams to adjust. So I do think that aspect of their point was wrong. Uh, but I do think for guys on the bubble, it does make a difference in getting discovered in getting an opportunity.
1: Yeah, I would agree with, I definitely agree with the latter. I just wonder if we're missing something here a little bit of like, yeah, it's not good basketball and yeah, everyone's gunning for themselves and yeah, you get 10 fouls, but maybe there's just something to, I'm not playing against college kids anymore. Yeah. Um, And like maybe that little jump in competition where you realize you're not as, you're not as great as you thought you were um, at least early on maybe there's some value to that. I don't know. I I think this again, I I was kind of disappointed by the reporting around Summer League this year. Like I know that it's a big circle jerk of everyone just networking, but you had an opportunity to have an interesting piece here and Adam Silver even commented on it that there weren't very many top level players and I didn't see that report that came out of like, hey, no one's playing Summer League. Is what what's the implications here? Are there any implications here? Like I just didn't see that in you would have just hoped that someone would have like at least like canvassed some guys like, Hey, does this matter? Is this just like, or is it just fun? Cause Adam Silver basically said it's summer league is for fringe end of roster guys. And when the rookies play, it's fun.
0: Yeah, and I, I think teams are smart, and smart enough to see when guys are showing something that's next level and when guys are putting up empty stats. Or Did he put up 25 points per game, but he was completely missing guys? Was he making plays within the flow of the offense? I think that's the type of thing that you can learn some of. But at the end of the day, it's still just pick up basketball. It's still guys that don't have any time together practicing and that. I I just I don't think it has tons of value. I just think, it, uh, as you said, the the Adam Silver points right where it's it's the end of bench guys, it's the fringe guys, it's guys on the bubble or um, the the campaigns of the world, basically.
1: Yeah, ultimately, like I think you're right. I think it doesn't matter, but I just thought no no player had ever really made the end, had come out there so aggressively and said yeah, I think it matters. And I think guys should be there. And like, I thought that was just an interesting, like, what if we're wrong thought uh, that I (laughs) kind of had, um, well, but, I've never know. been wrong. We know this, Carter. Well, God knows. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Summer league sucked. Hopefully, preseason's more fun. <laughs> That's where I make all my money gambling, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I, I've got my eyes on preseason. I got my eyes on the World Cup. I'm really excited about that. Team oh, Canada's got a
1: good roster. Team Canada is stacked, Justin. Give my- me a fucking maple uh, flag. I'm in uh
0: oh god I, I thought you were asking me to grab something in my office that was canadian i i don't really have anything well i don't know don't don't shake your head at me anyways that's probably a good place to wrap it up i want to thank everybody that joined us on twitch live uh, for submitting your questions really do appreciate it remember we will answer your questions at any time if you do have feedback uh about the podcast well, we'll only if the
1: questions are good
0: no, no, I think we'll, we'll answer no matter what. If it's good, it'll make it on the podcast. But you can, oh, send, sure. you can send those questions to chasedownpod at gmail.com. Uh, obviously, if you are part of our Discord, you can always ask us questions there um, or, or on Twitter, I guess. But we, we prefer it in those mediums because at least then it's supporting the podcast. Um, if you do want to support the podcast, remember, support our sponsors, support our boys at Harry's, uh, subscribe, unsubscribe resubscribe cook those books leave a rating leave a review and if you want to be part of our discord chat send a screenshot of that review from your favorite podcast platform uh to chasedownpod at gmail.com so we will continue to bring you content um probably a little more sporadically in the summer but we will we'll try to keep things interesting for you guys and until next time
1: go cats and of course use your prime subs it was prime day this weekend Have fun with us.